What's going on, fam? It's your man, K-Mark, welcoming you back to another episode of the 310 Podcast. So, we've reached the conclusion of the 10-part docuseries starring Michael Jordan in the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls. Overall, I mean, it's been a good uh, documentary, in my opinion. I know there are some that have been pretty critical of it, and we'll talk, tackle on that subject a little bit later on. But right now, hey, I just want to just kind of give you my thoughts, my add my input on two parts nine and ten give you a little bit of context some things that you may may have known some you may not have known and so hey if you want to get in contact with the show hit me up at the 310 podcast at gmail.com and hey let me know what you think about it and so where we'll start off as is with the rivalry between jordan and reggie miller this is a rivalry between that started in 1988 and concluded during after the 90, 1998 playoffs, these two have definitely had some interesting run-ins with each other. Uh, they both have torched each other at times, and especially with Chicago and Indiana being so close, I mean, this definitely has turned that definitely turned into a one-on-one rivalry. Even though the Bulls and Pacers were never really considered a, a serious rival, but these two, it was always like a, it was always. Uh, always a shootout, and both was always trying to up one one another. So basically, where the docu series kind of kicks off as is there, there was a game in February of 1993 between the Bulls and the Pacers in Indiana, and so at the start, uh, actually it started off with uh, Jordan actually blocking a Pooh Richardson layup, and Reggie ended up following up for a layup, and he came down and shoved Jordan. So Michael looking like, what the hell? And Michael went and literally he was enraged and went right at Reggie. He grabbed him. They started pushing, hitting each other. Reg, Michael threw an L, uh, Michael threw um, a punch. Reggie also followed with a punch. But I will say this. After it was broken up, Michael did get off lucky. And the rest kind of looked the wrong way. And, and Reggie was kicked out of the game. Michael wasn't. And I and you already know the the Jordan haters are gonna be like, oh the league, the league let Jordan get away with it. And honestly, they did, <laughs> they really did because yeah, Jordan threw a punch, and and wasn't kicked out. But ultimately, that game, Michael was already already enraged and came back and just lit the Pacers up for like forty. And but the next game. He was suspended, which our game was against New York in Chicago on a national national televised game on TNT, a game that New York ended up winning and which ultimately decided the home court advantage that season. So, yeah, that's kind of where the the rivalry started. Um, you did see that um, it started off, like I say, as fierce as fierce as um, as, as it could be. With Reggie talking trash in '88, his first game against Jordan, and Mike Mike came back in the second half and, and whipped his ass. And Mike told him, "He's like, don't you ever talk to Black Jesus like that." And Reggie, like Reggie said, I mean, he addressed him from that point on is Black Jesus or the Black Cat. And so, and so the season kind of kicked off. Um, um, starting off the night, um, game one, game two of the night of uh, the 98 Eastern Conference Finals. And this series was heavily anticipated because these were, were the top two teams in the East. 
It was Jordan against Reggie. This is the first time they had ever matched up in the playoffs. And then on top of that, you get Larry Bird, the Hall of Famer, who was coaching the Pacers. That was his rookie. That was his rookie year. He ended up winning Rookie of the Year. I mean, I'm sorry, Coach of the Year, just by guiding the Pacers to the record that they did. I believe they won 59 games that that season. And yeah, they 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 roared through the playoffs and set up a, a, a showdown with the uh, with the Bulls that season. I, I do know that they. Sp- split all four meetings and the first one I know the Indiana won Chicago won the second game Chicago won the third game in Indianapolis and Indiana came back in Chicago in in April and ended up winning in Chicago so a lot of people thought that hey that Pacer team was heavily equipped to go against the Bulls I mean they that honestly I think is probably the best Pacer team out there that's ever played because in Honestly, I even think that one is better than the 2000 Pacers that went to the finals. I mean, you had Reggie, who was in the prime of his career. You had Rick Smith, who, Smith, who had, who still has solid knees. The Duncan Dutchman, seven four, who could play in the post. I mean, you had Mark Jackson, uh, dream uh, former Dream Teamer Chris Mullen. You had Dale Davis. You had Antonio Davis coming off the bench. You had Jalen Rose, former Fab Five member. Travis Best. I mean, Derek McKee, they had a squad. And, yeah, there were, yeah, a lot of people thought that, hey, this Patriot team could give the Bulls for the run, run for their money because of their veteran experience. So the series kind of started off uh, games one and two. I mean, and the Pacers played very well in Chicago. Um, they actually had the lead at halftime of both games. And, honestly, they felt they should have, if not both, they should have felt they they felt they should they should have gotten out with at least a split. But during the second half of each game, uh, Jordan and the Bulls they definitely took over, and Michael Jordan definitely came through in the clutch, especially in Game Two where he had um the game that he received his fifth MVP award. He came through with um, a couple of jump shots, and I remember one where he was going baseline, he slipped, however he kept his balance and hit a fallaway jump shot. And so, hey, the Bulls went up two nothing. Uh, one, one, one of the things I definitely did like was the interaction between Jordan and Reggie Miller. Um, after after the pre- game two press conference, and my thing is though, I wonder what was in Mike's cup. <laughs> that's the that's one of the things. Hey, I want to know what was in Mike's cup. Mike maybe had some yak on him, but. <laughs> But no, uh, I do like the interaction that they had. I mean, you dog saw that Jordan Hay looked me was like, my brother, how you doing? And there was that's how the family's doing. And and they, they knew they knew that hey, it was going to be a long series. And Indiana was especially that year. They were tough at home. And usually when the Bulls went to Indiana, it was always a it was always a dog fight one way or another. I mean, regardless of how good Indiana was, they always get the Bulls a run for their money in Indy. And so game three kind of kicked off in Indiana. I mean, of course, I mean, like I said, it was always a tough place to play. I mean, it, I mean, that's basketball USA right there. And they, those those hicks out there, man, they, they love their Pacers. And so, hey, they started the game out. They showed the original Karen. <laughs> and you guys know what I'm talking about when I say Karen. She was yelling explicitives um at the Bulls and at the Bulls benches it it was pretty funny to say the least but that game uh, game three was definitely a back and forth game and Reggie I remember Reggie Miller injured in his ankle pretty severely 
But, I mean, he had one of those Willis Reed, Isaiah Thomas moments and came back and put on a show, hitting threes and dagger shots after dagger shots that was pretty much put the Pacers um, away, I mean, well, which put the Bulls away and, and helped Indiana get back into that series. And so game four, and really, and I'm sorry, going back to game three, and Michael, he kind of said, hey, it's not really concerned about it. It's nothing but a bump in the road. And which, honestly, at that at that time, being a Bulls fan, I'm thinking like, all right, you know what? Hey, Indiana, hey, they needed everything to go right in order for them to win. And they barely won. They won by only three. And so I'm thinking like, all right, game four, Bulls will put the pedal down. They'll they'll be all right. They'll, I mean, it'll be a close game, but, I, think, uh, but I, I know the Bulls will win. That's my thought process going into it. So game four. Started off like kind of like game three, a back and forth game. And I remember Jordan got off to a slow start. And he went in, and I remember he went in for a layup and got it and got his shot blocked by Rich Smith. But Smith um, came down and scratched Michael on the side of his eye. And everybody saw that he was bleeding. And so went to the dressing room, came back out. And you know how people, how certain people are, hey. I saw the sight of my own blood. It's on. And Mike came down and started lighting the Pacers up in game four. But like I said, I mean, overall, um, it was a close game. Very, very thrilling game. And arguably, my opinion, that's probably the best game of that series. Well, eh, yeah, I would, I would say that was probably the best game of that series. And so, I mean, hey, coming down coming down to the wire, I remember there, um, Rodman, um, Rodman, it was a, a questionable offensive foul on Rodman of a moving screen. It was very close, but they called it. And so the Bulls are back on defense. And I remember Scotty blocking, no, Michael blocking Derek McKee's shot out of bounds. Then the next play, Ron Harper steals the, the, uh, the, uh, steal, not, uh, deflects the pass. Pippen gets it. He's fouled. And then my thing going, my thing looking at is Scotty, is Scotty's a f- average free throw shooter? No, no, I, no, let me not say that. Scotty was a fair free throw shooter, so he was roughly around like that seven, like 65 70 percent. And of course, he breaks not one but two. They could have put the Bulls up by three, so and so the ball went off. So I remember the ball went off uh, one of the well, I thought it went off one of the Pacers' hands, but they called it jump ball. But the ref came back and said, nope, 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 I'm overruling. And it was Pacer ball. And so what happened from there is, hey, Reggie pushed, in my opinion. He definitely pushed Jordan and caught the three, hit it, and bam, put Indiana up by two. And and the the best part of that was when you look at Larry Bird's face. You're just looking like, all right, all right, cool, you hit it, okay. All right, let's see. Let's see what happens. We need to stop because we know we got Superman in red over there. And just like I thought, it got they got the ball to Michael who double clutch and it hit the backboard like it was going in and it rimmed out. And I'm just like, oh, and so it's two to two going back, going back to the Windy City for game five. Man, man, man. And which really that definitely hurt the Bulls because at that time, the Lakers, well, the Jazz had already advanced to the finals because they swept LA in the, in the Western conference finals. So, Hey, can't count them Lakers to do anything right, (laughs) but Hey, let's move down that timeline. 
to the 96-97 season where, hey, they came out as defending NBA champions. They started off with 12 straight wins. Definitely had some rough points and some interesting points that season. Um, That was the season where Rodman kicked the referee, AI crossed Mike. And also, hey, Rodman also had a bad knee injury that pretty much cost him pretty much the last month of the season. And with all that being said, I mean, there was some there were some slight injuries to Scotty, Mike and some of the other supporting cast. And with all that being said, they were they they went into the last game of the regular season needing one win to be the only team to win back to back 70 wins. And so it was a game against New York and Chicago. And there was some interesting subplots going into that game. Um, New York, they needed to win that game so they wouldn't so they will have a favorable matchup against Charlotte instead of Detroit, who was fairly pretty it was pretty good in 96-97. That was with Grant Hill and Dumars and everything and, and the crew. So they felt they better they had a better matchup with Charlotte. So they needed to win that game as well as they need that win to avoid Chicago in the second round. So New York definitely came out and played hard in that game. And it was a close game all the way. I remember Jordan needed that. Uh, he needed to score like 64 in order to to hit um, to average over 30. And pretty much that game, he got to a blazing start. And like he was going to shatter that record. So overall, I mean, the game, it was it was pretty much a close game. It was a close game throughout. Chicago was down by one, if I remember correctly, and Jordan had the ball, kicked it off to Kerr, who was open, but got kind of looked like he got kind of got a nervous and, and passed it on to Pippen, and who bricked a shot from from three that could have won the game, and Chicago ended up losing. But I remember, I remember watching the game, and I was pissed because I wanted to win back to back seventy games. And so I'm like, man, I was hot. I was mad. And so my dad was like, look, and this is one thing my dad was very good at looking at the long view, the um, the long range, um, the long range game. And so he said, look, Chicago's pretty much banged up. And if they get New York in the second round, they really don't want that matchup because New York was physical. They were healthy and they had and they had a lot of talent on that team. So he said, best day, you know what, even though, yeah, they lost, yeah, they won to win back-to-back seven games, but where they are at that point in time with injuries to Rodman, Weddington, and just overall wasn't playing well, it's best that they that they did, that they lost that game. And so looking back on it, I was like, yeah, he's right. He's right. It was probably best that the Bulls lose that game. So pretty much the playoff start, Rodman comes back um, off um, off injury. And for the most part, he struggles, and so does the Bulls. They're playing Washington in the first round, and that was with Chris Webber, Jawan Howard, Calvert Chaney, Rod Strickland, Big George Mirasan, Tracy Murray. Yeah, they had a nice little squad. They had a real good, cool little squad. So I mean, Washington, man, they played very well, and they could they could have won. They had a chance to win not one but both games in Chicago. But hey, Superman and Red kind of took control of Game One. And with help from Steve Kerr, helped put the game away. Game two, that's when Jordan exploded for 55. And even though it was a close game, uh, Jordan wouldn't let the Bulls lose. And overall, I mean, you could definitely see that. I mean, it it just wasn't right with the Bulls. And game three in Washington, another game that came down to the wire. And 
Washington, I remember they was up by 10 late in the fourth quarter, and then the Bulls, they ended up uh, down by one. And I remember Jordan went up for a shot but got stripped, but the ball, <laughs> and you can tell, like, yeah, the, it, it was meant for them to win because, like, the ball took a weird uh, pop fly in the air, Pippen caught it and went into the basket and dunked it on somebody, fell and injured his back, and – yeah, and they ended up uh, winning that game by one, but it just showed, hey, the playoffs, hey, they're a different animal, and that right there showed, hey, Chicago, they better get on their game if they're going to make it out of the East. So I remember they the next round they played Atlanta, and once again, they got off to a sluggish start. Rodman wasn't playing well, and Atlanta, I remember they were up by, I remember the Bulls, they had to come from behind again to win that game, and so game one, and and I remember game two, um, it was another game where, hey, they didn't play well. Atlanta jumped up big. Chicago tried to rally, but, hey, they couldn't do it. So it was tied up going to Atlanta. And I remember the media and everybody, they were all concerned, thinking, like, man, what's wrong with the Bulls? Are, I mean, do they have enough to pull to pull this out? And I remember they went to Atlanta. And, and both game three and four, they pretty much blew the doors off Atlanta. And, of course, game five. That was the infamous dunk on Mount Matumbo that Jordan wagged his finger. And, <laughs> and so the Bulls, they ended up coasting from that point, from uh, games three on, end up closing that series out at five, which leads into the Eastern Conference Finals where um, Chicago played Miami, who had just came off that huge brawl against New York where, yeah, it was like that whole Charlie Ward, P.J. Brown, which led to like the bench-clearing brawls, which – um, change ended up changing the rules by the NBA to now um, that hey, if you leave the bench, you're you're suspended. So basically, game like game ones and two, hey, just very similar to the first two games of the Washington and Miami and Atlanta series, where there are subpar play. Bulls had to come from behind, win both games, and I remember game two was that was like an ugly game where that was the 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 infamous doo-doo shit game where <laughs> Jordan caught himself doo-doo and called Pippin shit and because <laughs> literally they, they both played like hot garbage I mean they won but it wasn't pretty at all and so they went to Miami ended up blowing Miami out in game three and game four that was a game where Jordan played uh a few holes of golf um in the morning and ended up struggling um, struggling um, in game four against Miami. And I remember like he got to like an 0-13, 0-14 start. And then Miami was a big. And then somehow, someway, I mean, that just shows the determination of will that he had at that time where he wasn't shooting well, wasn't playing well. The team is in a rough spot. And somehow he found a switch and turned it on. And damn near almost led him back um, to win that game. And that was also the game where Alonzo Mourning um, – not pipping, uh, not pipping up in the head with an elbow, which caused like a nasty bump um, on the side of his forehead. And if you like Google it, look up Scotty Pippen forehead, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And so that game led Michael to say, you know what, it's personal. In Game Five, they came back and smoked Miami, even with Pippen missing some time with a uh, with a foot injury, which he talked about in the in this series where, hey, I'm not gonna mess up my summer. That was that was from that series, and so Chicago gets to the finals against Utah, who with um, Carl Malone and John Stockton, they finally made out of the West and into the finals. And 
Michael's always looking for that motivation, and he gets it. And by a Carl Malone winning the MVP, and two by uh, Brian Russell, um, who was a, um, a forward for Utah, who quote unquote made Jordan's list. Uh, they talked about that in the docuseries where Jordan, uh, Brian Russell was wolfing off to Jordan when he was retired. And Jordan's like, man, man, y'all get this kid. And Mike never forgot like he never does and proceeded to blitz Brian Russell. Um, basically, Jordan actually uh, on the docuseries, I do remember that he kind of broke down um, Brian Russell on how he's kind of wild. He kind of flails away and. He's pretty much an undisciplined defender. I'm like, God dang, Mike just gave us the whole breakdown of his of his scouting report. And so games one and two, overall close game. Um Chicago not really playing well, but doing doing enough to stay in the game. Pippen, I mean, like he had the foot injury, but came but he literally came back out and gutted it out. That's one thing I kind of wish the docuseries would have talked about was Pippen, who pretty much came um even though he was injured, he literally gutted it out and kind of helped put the Bulls in position to win. Where Carl Malone was at the line and Pippen told, um, whispers some little sweet nothings in his ear and says, "Hey, the mailman um, doesn't deliver on Sunday." Which Malone missed two free throws. Here comes Jordan with the ball in his hand against Russell. Jordan fakes, goes to the left, shoot. Game one's over. Chicago wins. So. That one right there, I mean, that was one of, like, Jordan's, um, like, one of his, probably one of the um, his better game winners that he's had. And game two, um, Chicago comes out and pretty much smokes Utah. Really wasn't a contest at all. Game three, heads back to uh, Salt Lake City. Carl Malone takes over, and pretty much Utah pretty much runs over Chicago. Game four was probably, um, arguably, probably one of the better um, entertaining games of that series where, um, Utah, um, it was a nip and tuck game all the way. Stockton, um, and my friend, I remember the Bulls, they went up by five with like about, about two minutes to go. And I'm thinking like, all right, hey, they about to pull this out, go up three, one, but man, Stockton took control of that game. I mean, he hit, hit the threes, hit some clutch free throws. And then the, probably the, the, um, the best assist he's ever had was, I mean, he caught, um, off a miss he caught the rebound and threw a, a bounce into a one-hander to Malone, who in Jordan you saw he tried he tried um he was trying to um to deflect the um, the pass, but Stockton was like right on the money. Hit Malone, Utah takes the lead, and they end up winning Game Four, which sets up the infamous flu game. And one thing <laughs> this this story has had some interesting twists over the years. I mean, a lot of people will say, hey, it's the flu game. Some people say it was the hangover game. Some people say it was food poisoning, which, I mean, honestly, I honestly just, I honestly, I I just called me, hey, I knew it was food poisoning because they say he had some bad pizza. And of course, they talked about that in the docuseries where they said like five guys came to deliver a pizza. And honestly, me, me being as skeptical as I could be, I mean, I would have been like, uh, five people come in and look at the pizza? I don't know about this. I mean, what you like, you're Michael Jordan. I mean, you can't get somebody in for um uh, from the hotel, um, from the hotel to make get you something to eat. I mean, man, I'd have been like, no, look, hey, let's get out here. Hey, let's go. Hey, I'll I'll go get him some McDonald's or something. So they said that hey, they said five guys came to deliver the pizza. Um, 
my thing is, hey, I want to know what it was. I mean, was it was it a pepperoni sausage? Was it a cheese pizza? Was it a meat lovers? Was it a Hawaiian seafood pizza? I mean, man, but what well, I me mean, Mike was sick as a dog though, and and I remember like. I remember when I got home, I turned on ESPN and there was like, it was starting to like some, the rumors were starting to flow that Jordan wasn't feeling well. And I'm like, oh, damn. Oh, dang. And hey, they're in a 2 2 series. And I'm thinking like, they're in trouble. Chicago might be in trouble. And pretty much that's just the way the game started. I mean, Utah exploded out of the gate. They jumped out to a 15 point lead in the first quarter and looked like they were ready to smoke Chicago. But and it's funny that it was a timeout, and then that's where, kind of like the Miami series, Bulls are struggling, Jordan was struggling, and then all of a sudden, he just turns it on in the second quarter and literally leads the Bulls back into the game, and he pretty much willed it. He kind of willed them back into the game, and it was pretty much a tight game throughout the, the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter, and you think that, I mean, hey, Utah, I mean, with Jordan Sigma, you really don't know how how much longer he can hold up. And you see him, I mean, he just looks like he's just slumping over. He's I'm thinking like, all right, man, this man's going to pass out. And you don't know, man, you were just overall just, as a fan, you were just overall just concerned about the man's health. And so, like I said, I mean, it came down to Jordan at the line, makes the first, ties it up. Misses the second, but somehow, some way, gets gets um gets his hand on the ball, and then sets himself up and hits the three to put him up by three, and then and Chicago ends up winning that game. And you had the infamous picture of Pippen carrying um like kind of slumped like Jordan kind of slumped over and Pippen Pippen kind of like carrying him to the bench, and I mean hey that I mean that definitely shows hey man that's what teammates are for man hey when your teammate is down, hey, you pick him up and vice versa. And that's what pretty much what happened. Jordan, there were times when Jordan kind of picked it up uh, for Pippen and Pippen vice versa. So that's why I say, hey, they're definitely, to me, the best one-two punch to play the game. So, I don't, hey, whatever you want to call it, food poisoning, flu game, hangover, whatever it is that you want to call it, hey, I'm going to just roll with the flu game because the flu game just sounds better coming off the tongue. And there's actually some shoes named after it. So, hey, I'll, hey I'm going to roll with that. I'm going to roll with the flu game. And so uh, from there, hey, they jump in, talk about Steve Kerr. And they kind of um, talk about his story. And I remember Steve Kerr in particular. I remember he played for Cleveland. And I remember they were playing Chicago in the 92 Eastern Conference Finals. And... I remember when it was after it was game five and it was after game four where Danny Ferry had like start swinging on Jordan. He missed, but he was he was ejecting it. So game five, the Bulls they were up, they were up big, and Danny Ferry was going in for a layup in reserve uh, for Stacey King went off and just gave him a hard clothesline foul. And I remember Stacey was walking back to the bench and here comes little Steve Kerr get into his face and see and Stacey King's like he's ready to kill this dude and that right there I'm like this dude has some balls but I mean that's always been Steve Curry he's always been the scrappy underdog underachieving no I'm sorry overachieving guard and so when he came to the Bulls I mean not a lot of people knew him but I knew who he was just off of that alone and I remember he he, he did play some games for Orlando 
And during Shaq's rookie year, before coming to the Bulls, so I'm like, all right, I know this dude can hit threes. I know this dude is crazy. And so, I mean, he pretty much kind of mirrored his game after John Paxson. I mean, honestly, he was like John Paxson, but with a deeper range because Paxson, I mean, Paxson was a – he didn't really take a lot of threes. I mean, he could hit them. He just didn't take a lot. But Steve Kerr was more of a three-point shooter, which, I mean, definitely helped spread the floor. Um, but, no, like they talked about Steve Kerr's life, like where he grew up in, like the Pacific Palisades area and went to Arizona State. And it showed his father, um, Malcolm Kerr, who was killed um, in a uh, in a foreign country. And it was just crazy how, I mean, just how the parallels between Kerr's, Kerr's father's death and Michael's death happened by, by senseless killings. And so when Kerr came to the Bulls, um, like I said, I mean, hey, I, I, I liked him all. I liked him automatically because I knew what he was about. I knew that, hey, he wasn't going to accept no BS. And I knew that he was, he was good. For, he was good from deep. And of course, I mean, like with the fight and everything with Jordan, I mean, he definitely earned Michael's trust. And you definitely saw that during this game come down. I'm getting ready to talk about in a second. So game six, 90, 97 finals, Mike's feeling a little bit better. Utah, Kind of um, Utah plays well, trying to save off elimination, and they 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 get a big lead in the fourth quarter. I think they're about like maybe about ten or twelve. And I remember Bushler hitting a three to kind of cut it down to nine before the end of the third. And Chicago, very similar to the Portland series in '92, where Jordan was on the bench. They're down sixteen. Very similar to this game right here. They're down. Not not as bad as that one, but hey, they were down and the bench kind of helps kind of get them back in the game. And Jordan and the, and um, Jordan and the crew comes up and takes the game over. And from that point on, I mean, it, it was a close game all the way. Utah definitely had had a shot to win. And I will say this: the Bulls almost blew blew it, and Scotty in particular, because I remember. It was a layup, like during the final seconds, and Shannon Anderson missed the layup. But you saw Pippen like like going up for a like he was going up for a block, but he hangs on the rim, which honestly means that's a technical, that's a goal ten. That's and Chicago, luckily enough, gets away with that call, and which sets up Steve Kerr's moment. And anybody who knows me, I'm a I'm a person about moments. Um, definitely, I I I love like like when certain like a person has a moment. And this segment coming, a situation coming up right now, that this was Steve Kerr's moment. And in the huddle, Steve, um, Michael's telling Steve, be ready, be ready, because Stocks is going to, um, he's going to double off me and you're going to be wide open. And Steve told him, like, look, if he does, if he comes, I'll be ready. And Michael, hey, Michael's like, all right, cool, because game four, a similar situation happened where Stockton doubled, Jordan hit Kerr, but Kerr didn't come through. So, this time, um, so this time around, the same situation happened. Jordan, like he said, he'll be doubled, kicked it to Kerr, who hit the game winner right there. And from there, hey, Chicago gets the, the steal and ends up winning the title. And it just shows I me, mean, it just shows like the gravity of sports and where two years ago, Jordan and Kerr were getting to a fist fight and now 97. They're hu- they're hugging it out on top of the scores table after winning um, the title in '97, and so 
I mean that like I said, that's the thing about sports, man. It it you it unites people more than what you think it is. Um, and then I remember the a uh, couple of days later at the parade rally where Steve Kerr was like he told his story where like Jordan was like he oh feel I don't feel comfortable with taking this game winner and Steve was like all right well I'll bail Michael out again and he's like that's my story I'm sticking to it and so I mean it, it was a fun way to end um that that part of the series um and that just kind of sums up Steve Kerr I mean he's always there when you need when when needed and like I said I mean hey Michael like what Michael said though Steve Kerr earned his wings he said, I trusted him with the shot, and he came through. And so, like I said, it means, hey, that's the beauty of sports. And so, hey, let's hit this timeline again. And so where we pick up is game five uh, of the Eastern Conference Finals with Indiana and Chicago, where pretty much game five was a blowout. Really not much we talk about there. And game six was another grinded out hard-fought game where it came down to the final seconds where Jordan had the ball to try to tie the game up and fortunately slipped and fell, loses the ball, and you hear Bob Costas with the iconic call, the Pacers and Bulls will take it to the limit. And so basically where in where it comes in at where Jordan comes out and says, hey, look, we're going to win the series. And somebody says, is that a promise? I don't make promises. I don't even make promises to my wife, but hey, we will win this series. And so they talked about that, and then they they went straight into where they talked to talked about Gus Lett, who, in a sense, kind of game became a father figure for Jordan. Um, after James passed in '93, um, Gus kind of took on that mantle as kind of being like a second father to Jordan. And they even said that hey, like Jordan would like call him in the middle of the night, just crying over um over over the loss of his father and Gus would literally come and see him and, and check on him. And, and so Gus will be kind of traveling with the team and, and kind of like Michael's confidant or his bodyguard or however you want to call it. And they pretty much formed a very solid relationship. And now on to game seven and this game, as a fan, I was pretty nervous, like going into the game because when you look at it. I mean, the bulls were tired. They were fatigued. Indiana was a little bit younger and their key role players off the bench were all young 20 something year olds in Travis Best, Antonio Davis and Jalen Rose. The Bulls kind of got to a really slow, uh, slow start. I remember they got down quick and in a hurry. And I remember it started off with Dale Davis pounding Tony Kukoc in the post. And he was just going on at will. That And that from there kind of just threw the balls off a little bit. And like I said, they got down big. And then right towards the end of the first and into the second, here comes the run. They get back into the game with some uh, key players from the reserves like Steve Kerr, Judd Bushler, and Randy Brown. And so once the third quarter hits, um, Chicago, they're up. They finally take the lead. And Tony Kukos comes up and comes up big. And this is probably one of his better games as a bull. And he's hitting the threes, um, hitting from two, hitting from, from three. And he's pretty much keeping the Bulls in the lead at this point. And so as a fan, I'm sitting there thinking, like, all right, they're getting ready to pull pull away from the Pacers. But, however, Indiana, with that, that youth, that youth as well as the experience from the, the starters, they get back into the game. 
and they take the lead, and it's looking very grim at this at that point. Um, there was a jump ball, of course, between Smith and Jordan, and mind you, Rick Smith is seven foot four, and Michael's six six, and somehow Michael wins the tap, and they move the ball around, and look who's open: Steve Kerr for a three that ties the game, and pretty much from there, Chicago. Um, they took control of the game and ended up pulling it out. And like I said, this is probably the hardest series that they um, that they had during their run. I remember um, years later, I remember Scotty was doing an interview and he literally said that he doesn't know how they pulled that series out. And looking back at it now, I mean, Indiana should have won. Indiana, um, they had the experience they also had the youth on their side as well as the hunger but they also didn't have number 23 in red that can help you pull the game out and pull the series out so uh with that being said we're on to the finals and mind you chicago they're pretty much so the question remained how much did chicago have left to finish off their championship run and i remember michael saying that yeah, sure, we're physically tired, but we got the hearts. I mean, our hearts aren't tired. Okay, fam, we're starting episode number 10, and we kick it off. Hey, at the 98 NBA Finals, the Bulls get to Salt Lake City off two days rest after that grueling series with the Pacers, and honestly, the public and the media had pretty much dubbed it this as, hey, this is this is Chicago's last stand. And Utah was just raised to to lay the knockout blow. I mean, think about it. Utah with the experience from last from la- um, the previous year's finals, and how how close um, each of those six games were, and then on top of it, you think you get Utah coming back probably even better than they were in in '97. They come back, they win both six games head to head versus the Bulls during the regular season. Then they have the best record in the NBA, which leads, which gives them home, ultimate home court advantage, as well as what they did to the Lakers in, during the Western Conference Finals. I mean, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, uh, the general public had the Jazz winning this series. And so, but I do remember Jordan was very loose going into that series. I mean, and it's kind of similar to the way he felt during the 93 series where, hey, you know, hey, he kind of knows that, hey, this is the last run. So he said, I'm, hey, I'm going to enjoy it as best as I can. And so he said, regardless, win or lose, I'm I'm going to really enjoy myself. And then they showed Jordan on the back of the bus, listen to Kenny Lattimore. All right. Don't get me wrong. And this is not a shot at Kenny Lattimore because, hey, I do I do love his music um, back, back in the day. He actually did, definitely had some nice songs. But I'm literally thinking, like, what song – Kenny Lattimore had that has Michael just kind of um, moving and bumping, grooving like that. Honestly, I can't think of one, man. Maybe somebody, somebody let me know. Let me know. I do remember he, like, he was very confident going into that series. He was definitely confident because, I mean, he knew that. I mean, hey, the pressure wasn't really on the Bulls. It was on the, it was on the Jazz, especially how the media was coordinating them as, as NBA champs, even before this season, st- um, the final started. So overall, I mean, hey, um, like I said, I me mean, as a fan going in, I was thinking like, all right, if, if they can get a split, I think they'll be straight. 
because, I mean, I, I really didn't think Utah could really go into Chicago and win a finals game. I mean, yeah, they did during the regular season, but mm, maybe. Now, if they go down 0-2, then, hey, there, there's going to be an issue. So you finally get to see um, the Jordan kids, um, Marcus, Jeffrey, and Jasmine. And this is, like, the first time, like, we've seen them during the docu-series. I mean, besides, like, when they were younger, but... But yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I thought I thought you would have thought we would have seen more of them. But hey, it is what it is. So game one was fairly close. It was a um, very good game. And Chicago, um, even like I said, being tired, I mean, they were still able to keep it close. And they did not allow Utah to push out to an early lead and take the game away. So it was overall, like I said, close game, good game overall. And the game went into overtime. And and um, John Stockton ultimately takes over that game, and Utah ends up winning by three. And even with that, I mean, the, the whispers grow louder, thinking like, all right, Utah, even though they were rusty, they were still able to win game one over a tired Bulls team. But I mean, Chicago, I mean, they never they never really faltered. I mean, and like they I mean, even building up to game two, you definitely hear the confidence in Chicago's voice. And it's like, all right, I mean, hey, we're the champs. We'll, we got this. We're not really too concerned. So game two, I mean, overall, Chicago played a lot better and they really use the items of just attacking the basket. And that's what Jordan Pippen and Kukos did. And I remember um, in the fourth quarter. Um, that's what Jordan, and that's exactly what happened. Pippen and Jordan dominated that fourth quarter to kind of give the Bulls like a nice, comfortable lead. However, Utah fought back, and even in the play, possibly the play of that series was Chicago was um, Chicago was down one, and the Bulls got the rebound. Kerr was uh, it was Kerr and Jordan. Jordan uh, Kerr pulled up for three, missed it, got his own rebound. Found Jordan under the basket for a foul and one, and they ended up putting Chicago up by two up at the end of the game, and they were able to pull game two out. And so game three series goes back to Chicago, and after a hard uh, hard fought two games, Chicago uh, game three was a wipeout, a complete wipeout. The Bulls' defense suffocated Utah. I mean, Malone got up to a blazing start in the first quarter, but after that, he was quiet. The rest of the squad, um, the, his squad was quiet, and... Chicago dominated them, and overall, I mean, hey, they were held to the lowest uh, point total um, in the shot clock era, 54 points, and Chicago ended up winning the game 96 to 54, and it's like, wow, I I'd never, as a fan, I had never seen a blowout that bad in a finals game. I mean, I do remember probably the biggest blowout, probably Prior to that, probably the final was probably the Memorial Day Massacre in 84 between the Lakers and Celtics. So we really haven't said much about Rodman <laughs> during this episode. So this is where he comes in at. And so Dennis goes to Detroit to wrestle with WCW. And I remember watching it on Monday Nitro. And I'm looking like, what the hell? Why DK to hit somebody with a chair? And hey... Kind of not mad at him for that. <laughs> and so I remember um, the next day, I mean, and Rodman, of course, misses practice and the media there like on his neck. And Rodman, he wasn't he wasn't trying to deal with it. And I remember uh, the security um, at the United Center helped Rodman get um, get out of the training training room into his truck before the media and 
the media can get to him and and you saw that like it was like some media people they were chasing after him eventually where like you see he ultimately got into his car and got away it was just crazy how the swarm of media they were they were really on dennis and um as a fan i mean yeah i mean of course i mean hey you definitely want one of your bet your one of your more important players to be there but i mean hey that's how dennis was i mean hey dennis just does him and so game pretty much comes out smoking and his about and he was just hitting threes in the first quarter and honestly look there was possible talk of Pippen possibly being the most valuable player which is which is kind of it's kind of ridiculous um when Michael Jordan is your teammate but I mean he had played that well during the first three games of the finals I'm sorry the first four games of the finals and overall I mean good game overall and this is where I remember I talked to you guys during, I believe, episode number three, when they had the Dennis Rodman episode. So, and I told, I told you guys about, like, my Rodman, my favorite Rodman moment. This is when it starts. And Dennis, I mean, close game overall. And everybody who knows Dennis Rodman knows that he's a horrible free throw shooter. And so coming into clutch time down the stretch, Rodman goes to the line being um, after being fouled, and Rodman's just starting hitting free throws. And I remember he went to the line, I think, five or six times, I believe, and I think he hit maybe like five out of six. And uh, and one thing I one thing I hate is that Bob Costas just constantly just rip uh, rip Rodman. He was like his tired. He said regardless regardless of his tired freak show, and I'm thinking like, oh my God, man, just stop, 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 Bob. And so anyway. Um, Rodman, like I said, Rodman came through in the clutch, ended up putting the Bulls up three, and he pretty much held Malone in check um, during like the first four games of that series when it mattered the most. And I remember Rodman was being interviewed by Jim Gray. He was like, "Man, he said it's all about just putting your balls on the line, and you can't be afraid to fail." And so, now nah, I mean, hey, that put that that put the Bulls up three one. And at this point, I'm thinking like, all right. This is a wrap come Friday. Utah, Utah, they don't have a shot in hell winning game five in Chicago with Michael Jordan and the, and the Bulls looking to win another title. So that was kind of like my thought press process going into that game. And honestly, I was just ready to party. I was like, all right, man, this this is a done deal. But Utah, especially Carmelo, had other ideas. And he single-handedly won that game. And... Now, I remember him and Kukoc um, were matching basket for basket, and Kukoc was the only one that could put the ball put the ball in the hole that like that entire game. Jordan was struggling, Pippen was struggling as well, but Pippen um, his back started to act up on him, and we'll get into that in a moment. But you saw that I mean the Bulls they were, for the most part they were tight, they did not play well at, at all, and I remember, and it came down to the end. Kukoc had put him within one point, and they fouled Hornacek, who missed one out of two. And so I'm thinking, like, you know what? This is it. This is it. After struggling, Mike's gonna hit. Mike's gonna hit the three, and we're gonna win this game. And it was like .7 seconds or something like that. And so Jordan caught the ball, like just fired like a long three pointer, like near the sideline. Even and me, I'm thinking like this is it. This is it. This is oh. We go back to Utah, and it was just so much of a letdown. 
especially just think about it. I mean, you, you, you're right there. You have a chance and you don't want to go back to Utah. That's the main, that's the most important thing is that you do not want to go back to Utah and that crazy den. So going into game six, I'm thinking like they got to find some way to pull this thing out. And like I said, this series is very eerily similar to the Phoenix series. And Scotty had, like I said, he had the back, he had the back injury. And once the game started, um, like about a minute into the game, Pippen caught a pass and went in for a dunk. And you can see like the expression on his face is like he did something, he jammed it or re-injured it. And so, oh boy. And at that point, you're thinking like, man, Pippen being out, Utah playing well, Malone was, um, was taking both Longley, Wington, and even putting work on Rodman. And you're thinking like, dude, what the hell is going on here? Are we really going to blow this series? And I remember Ahmad reported saying, the Bulls reported that Scotty won't be able to play. And I'm thinking like, oh, crap. Because you think about it, a game seven in Utah with either an injured Scotty Pippen or a Pippen who can't even play. I mean, that right there is going to really test this team's medal and is really going to test Jordan and his fatigue because at, at this point, I mean, he's Jordan's pretty much running on fumes at that point because he had given so much and he had given so much to the game. And yeah, at that point, yeah, he was just worn out. And so anyway, but he might literally put the team on his shoulder in that second quarter and he went to work. Mike was going toe to toe with Carl Malone. They was having a duel in that second quarter. Probably, probably like the best, the best back to uh, the best um, flow of the game was that second quarter in Game Six between Jordan and Malone. Jordan was hitting the three. Malone was hitting fadeaways, and it just went on for like about like three to five minutes, and it was just great. It was great. And Mike said Mike carried the load, and then. Pippen comes back in the second half, which I'm thinking like, all right, cool. He, he he can at least come back and at least do something. And my thing, my thing with Scotty though is like, I mean, his presence was was best out on the court than in the locker room. And I'm pretty sure that he he thought he thought about um, back to how people questioned him after the migraine and how like Xavier McDaniel tried to punk him during the '92 series or. They talked about his courage and like the the 1.5 seconds against New York in '94, and like I said, me I have to give it to Scotty. Like I said, he gutted it out. He definitely gutted it out because, as you know, me most people, man, with a back injury, man, that's like the most crippling injury out there. And Pippen played his butt off, even though he didn't score much. But I mean, he like I said, he was his presence was felt on the um he he was he was at least a body out there that was able to at least do something. And so, and most people nowadays, they, they, they'll call off a worker out of, out of, or, or sit, sit out of a game due to a tummy ache. But Hey, and honestly, my opinion, he kind of shredded that rap of him being a soft player. That's my personal opinion. So Game six kind of moves on and you see the wrestling match between Rodman and uh, Malone and you hear Bob Costas, they got to, they got to call a flagrant, they got to call a flagrant. And then um, Bob Costas references um, the Malone um, Rodman wrestling match that was going to take place during the summer. But it's like, 
Costa, shut up. It's like, God, you always got to be so critical of somebody. And so, during, like I said, during, like, the second half, Pippen's getting, Pippen's getting uh, treatment for his back. Like, when he come at this point in the game, like I said, Mike is running on fumes. It was really a real team effort to help win this game because I remember midway through the fourth, Utah was up by three, and Kukos was wide open, and Kerr, said, Kerr tried to set a pick on Malone and gave up his body as Malone literally ran over him like a Mack truck. And and Kukos hit the three, but it's just the fact that Kerr gave his body up for that play definitely just says a lot about how this team, like how they played as a team. Like, true, yeah, Michael was the focal point, but they played as a team. And that's how And remember when I talked about the pass from Stockton to Malone from the 97 finals, a similar situation happened where there was a pass to Malone again. And Michael, like I said, whatever gas is left in his tank was able to intercept the pass, something that he couldn't do the previous year. And so, anyway, tie game, tie game, and Utah has the ball. Malone hits Stockton, who was wide open for the three. I don't know why Ron Harper went off to double, tried to double Malone. So, I'm thinking like, damn. I'm like thinking like, all right, am I – they have time, but like they gotta go now. And they, they, this is is why I would die on the hill and say that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. I mean, he showed his will, his will to win, and he did it on both ends of the court. First, with offense, gets the ball against Russell, goes in for a quick layup, cuts the lead to one, and so Utah gets the ball back. Malone uh, Malone gets the ball on the block against Rodman. Jordan kind of cheated over and stripped Malone of the ball. Malone didn't see him. And so I'm and as a fan, I'm getting up thinking, oh, my gosh, OK, what's happening? And so Jordan gets the ball running um, with the clock winding down. And I'm just thinking, like, what is he going to do? And I'm thinking like, like he like Mike's going to take this unless they double. Mike's taking this. And so, of course, push the move on Russell. No, he did not push off. Haynes hit scores. I'm thinking like, okay, let's go. Like, let's let's get this. And one thing, one thing I definitely liked about that sequence is that after Jordan stole the ball from Malone, he um, filled and called timeout. And and I'll, I've always liked when he did that because because you don't give the defense time to set up. And this is like one of those moments. And remember, I told you earlier, these are like one of those moments in life. And this is one of those where I wish I can go back and kind of relive that moment. Because, like I say, it's a moment um, that I share with my pops. Because, like, him and I, like, we were watching game six together at home. And as it unfolded, and it's just like I said, just me and him just talking about the game going, like, kind of going back and forth. And that, and like I say, man, and that's why earlier, that's why I say, I mean, that's why you love sports because I mean, that sports brings so many people together and it brings up so many memories. And like I said, with this one, like I said, with me and my pops, like I said, we were just in there just watching the game together and just having a father son moment. And like I said, I mean, it definitely bonded us because like I said, I mean, we, we both were Michael Jordan fans and. I mean, we both love the Bulls, and like I said, that this is just kind of, like I said, this is just one of those moments where I could just really just go back and just kind of relive this moment and just watch. 
And so I remember, like, my dad, like, after the shot, my dad was like, dang, he was like, man, I really wish Mike would have just hit it at the buzzer. Going back to the push-off, man, y'all can kill me with that BS because it wasn't a push-off. Because, I mean, like they said, I mean, Russell was already losing his balance anyway. And, like I said, going back to the way Mike broke down uh, Russell's defense, I mean, Russell was an undisciplined defensive player, too. I mean, he was okay, like, especially with sliding his feet and stuff like that. But, I mean, he would reach too much, which gave Mike the opening to hit the shot. So, um, y'all can kill that noise. And so, one thing I definitely liked, and one one of the things, I mean, if I'm ever to, if I'm ever to meet Michael Jordan, I want to get, like, a picture of, Jordan hitting the shot in Utah facing the crowd and you're just looking at all the fans faces like in terror. But then you see one kid at the top that holds up the six. They won the NBA title. And I love the interaction with Jordan, well, with Jordan and Phil, where Mike feels like, oh, my God, that was beautiful. And Jordan saying, I have faith. I have faith. And feels like, God bless you. You sure did. And hats off to Carl Malone, though. I mean, he might even after the game, like uh, before he went to the locker room, he shook the Bulls hands and stuff like that. And that's tough. I mean, you're so, you're that close to possibly winning an NBA title. But I mean, you still have you still have the wherewithal and the class to, hey, congratulate your opponent. Like, hey, you know, what? hey, good job. Good job. So. Yeah, and I remember hitting, like, my favorite part. It was, like, Jordan and Pippen in the locker room. Jordan was like, can you believe it? Six. Six of them. They can't win till we quit. And basically, he was right. Couldn't win till they quit. Win till yeah, till, yeah, they broke up. So um, I remember, um, like, I, I was amazed at the amount of people that was at the Chicago Bulls Hotel. And me, I'm pretty sure if I lived somewhere around there, yeah, I definitely would have been there as well. And, yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, overall, no, I mean, it, it was a great run. It was a great run. And definitely, that definitely signaled the end of my youth, in a sense, even though I was, like, in the 11th grade. But, I mean, that right there kind of just symbolized, hey, look, move to adulthood. That's a, a chapter of my life that was over, which is, like, my adolescent teenage years. And so... Uh, one thing I did like, though, was that Scotty gave Jerry Krause some love. I mean, I know they, they've had their they've had their run-ins and a whole bunch of craziness that went on during their their time together. But, I mean, it felt really good to see Scotty give Jerry some love, which, I mean, he definitely deserved as being the architect of those six championship teams. Um, and I was really surprised. I didn't know that Reinsdorf had asked Phil to come back. Um, I was actually shocked. I was really shocked. And you can see that it definitely eats at Michael because Phil was really the one that, hey, Phil's like, you know what? I'm I'm good. I'm good. And do I think they could have gotten everybody back? Yeah, of course. I think Michael would have came back. Phil, like I said, I think, yeah, I think you get Michael, Phil back. I think some of the parts come come back together. Now, Scotty, though. I don't know because it really, really it would have been tough because Scotty had a tremendous payday. He really needed to get paid. And you can like I say, you can tell that he eats at Mike that he couldn't go for seventh. And part of me kind of wishes that they would have. And of course, I mean there was a strike shortened season, and you really don't know how that's gonna affect them. I mean, you're playing fifty games instead of eighty-two, and I do remember that. I mean, there are times where they I mean the the schedule was so compact. I mean you really don't know how 
that would have affected the Bulls at their, their advanced age, especially since there was a lot of younger teams into the league. I mean, could the Bulls? I think they could have hung. They could have hung. They could have hung in there and possibly had like one of the number one or number two records in the East. And who you never know. But overall, I mean, the breakup, honestly, and if you ask me as a looking back on, I think they broke up at the right time because, I mean, yeah, we really don't know what could have happened. Um, and especially after Jordan sliced up his finger um, on that cigar tip. I mean, they were already saying he was going to miss some like some serious time with that injury. And just overall, I mean, it just felt like it was time, especially with the last shot. It was like the best way to go out. Um, could they won? Like I said, could they won again? I mean, at that point in time, I wasn't gonna bet against Michael Jordan, but I knew it definitely would have been something very daunt, like serious, like really daunting, a real daunting task for them to to win a seventh, especially. But I say it was just so much that would have been going against them. But hey, you never know. But that pretty much brings us in. Um, to a conclusion of the documentary, and overall, I mean, I hey, I enjoyed the documentary. Um, like I, said, I mean, it was stuff. I mean, I already knew a lot of stuff that went on, but I mean, I, I was glad I was able to kind of get different people's point of views on, like, like I said, from Michael, Scotty, Phil, Steve Kerr, Judd Bushler, and everybody else on that that title run, as well as Michael's career. I mean, like I said, I mean, I. I've, I've read plenty of books on them, so I, I kind of knew a lot of the premises. So, I mean, but I did like the fact that I was able to kind of get a beat on him and just kind of just understand what type of player he was and like what literally drove him. And true, yeah, there was a lot of things that definitely doesn't put him in the best light. But honestly, I mean, hey, that's just the way it is. Like especially on with a documentary, I mean, yeah, there there definitely are going to be some there are definitely going to be some unflattering things in there, and there are some people that's probably that definitely has resentment towards Jordan. Um, I definitely know Horace Grant is definitely is one, even though yeah, they have not they have never seen seen eye to eye at all, even when they played together in Chicago. And there was the infamous talk of Jordan telling the stewardess not to, to feed Horace after. Um, an eight, um, the playoff game in '89 versus Detroit, but I mean, like I said, they they've always had that. They've always had. They've always kind of been like that. There's always been oil and water with those two. Um, now I see Scotty's kind of upset with some of the ways that he was kind of portrayed in the documentary, which I mean, I kind of don't get because I mean, I mean, Scotty one he got he got his rise to prominence. I mean they. I mean, they showed I me mean, he came from humble beginnings to where he where he became. Then, I mean, of course, yeah, they talked about the migraine head because that's part of the story. That's part of it. And then, of course, I mean, and how he um, he played magic during game two of the finals, which helped kind of springboard the Bulls onto to the championship that year. And then, of course, then they bring up the one point five seconds. And I hear people saying, oh, they didn't have to bring that up. I mean, yes, they did, because. That's part of Pippen's story because, yeah, they highlighted him and they highlighted the Bulls. And they also gave it from Jordan's point of view on what he thought about that whole situation, which I mean, which which I mean is something that you definitely wanted to hear. I mean, like I said, I mean, they definitely they definitely didn't talk about the one point five. Um, they Well, I'm sorry, the Phantom Foul in New York. They didn't bring that up. So, I mean, I really don't. And also they talked about how Scotty gutted it out against Utah. So, I mean. How did they, how did, how was Scotty portrayed in the negative light? I mean, it's, 
in the fact of the matter, I mean, I can see if it was false, but I mean, but it's true. It's literally true. All this stuff did happen. So, like I said, I mean, you get people who definitely don't like Michael Jordan, and especially, and that definitely kind of throws some more gas onto the fire for the LeBron fans and all the other uh, Jordan naysayers. But I mean, hey, it is what it is, and at this point, it's about opinions and and and. Hey, it is what it is. And like I said, me personally, like I said, I would die on the hill and say that and say pound for pound, he's the greatest player of all time. So that's pretty much it, family. That brings us to a close of another episode of the 310 podcast. So, hey, hey, rate, the, uh, give me those ratings. Give me those reviews. Hey, those ratings mean the world to me. And so if you want to get in contact with the show, hit me up at the 310 podcast at gmail.com. So with that being said, I'm your man, Kmart. I'll catch you with you later. Peace.